Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. EYL University is the biggest online platform for education, but it's much, much more. It's actually a community. Our private Facebook group has over 8,000 members and 20 infinity groups. The students teach themselves just as much as the professors do. We have weekly webinars. We have over 100 past webinars. You get access to MG, the Mortgage Guys Real Estate Blueprint. You get access to monthly financial planning calls with yours truly. You get access to our monthly group chat investment calls and much, much more. So. Go to EYLUniversity.com right now and take advantage of our limited offer, blowout sales, 65% off of the annual membership. EYLUniversity.com right now and become an earner. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. All right, guys, welcome back. EYL, this is going to be an exciting conversation that is perfect timing Yeah. Uh, for everything that's going on right now. One thing we're earning leisure that we 
always stay up to date. We're not dinosaurs. We stay up to date. Keep our head to the street. Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. So, you know, we're talking about real estate stocks, but there's a bunch of different ways to invest. And um, this is something that we really haven't spoken about yet. So yeah. we're going to talk about a few different things that's extremely interesting. NFTs, talking to town. Of course. Um, trading cards. We, we interviewed Gary yeah. V. Shout out to him. And he said that, you know, he was the first person on Earning Leisure to speak about trading cards. Um, we'll talk about some alternative investments and social media and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, that, the, the best part about that is like... Sports also. Sports. Talk about... Like people who were doing that from a certain generation that we're from, we were do doing that for fun. And now we could actually go back in the archives and potentially have some money in it. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so our esteemed guest today, Buster Share. So, Youngest in charge. Yeah. 20 years old. Crazy. Um, very, very successful, smart young man. So he's the founder of Hoops Nation. If you if you're a basketball fan, you probably are familiar with the page. It has a million followers on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and if you're a player, you're lucky if you're on the page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. He's or also, unlucky if it was a blooper. <laughs> <laughs> he's also the uh, voice uh, commentator of the Cruelly. Shout mm -hmm. out to Revolt. Shout out to Diddy. Shout out to everybody there. <laughs> He's the founder of Card Nation, which is another Instagram page dedicated to um, sports collecting cards. Mm -hmm. So he's an expert in the card game. Card. C-A-R-D. Not card <laughs> game. Card game. Um, he's also an expert in NFTs and alternative investments. Well, he doesn't want to use the word expert. He's the man. We just call him the man from now on. Why do you say you feel comfortable with expert? Expert's good? I'm cool. Oh, yeah, he's asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take it. We'll take it. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, I'm an enthusiast. Yeah. Uh, there we go. He has a podcast called The Buster Show. Um, and yeah, he's just a really cool guy. So I'm excited to have this conversation. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So like, let's jump right into it, right? Yeah. Let's jump right into it. At what point, you're 20 years old. So at what point do you realize like this sports card thing is actually something that is more than just a hobby, but it's actually a business. Right. So when I was 14 years old, um, I had just started blogging on Facebook, started you know, figuring out what I wanted to do, what I cared about, really just did it for fun. I had started a basketball page talking about fantasy basketball because ESPN talked a lot about fantasy football, but they didn't talk at all about fantasy basketball. So I decided that 14-year-old you know, naive me would just go out there and, and try that. Um, so about that same time, I started, you know, going to these sports card shows. I collected cards, but I collected them. I wasn't looking at it as an investment. I wasn't looking at anything as an investment. I was just like, these are super cool. They make me happy. Let me follow that. And that's, that's how I approach everything. And are these the cards? Because I used to collect cards when I was a little kid. But like when I had the like Latrell Sprewell card and then right. it was like for 98 and it had like average 21 points a game, that... Is because I'm trying to. I've been out the card game for a long period of time. So is that still how it works? Where you have the player's stats on the back of it, or is it different? It, it depends on the card, but a lot of the base cards will have the statistics on the back. Um, but yeah, so in 2014, I decided to go a little bit heavier in it, um, and I would go to these sports card shows and I would buy players that you know I thought would improve. Uh, a good example that I can give. And I made a lot of mistakes. But one mistake that I did not make was I bought Giannis Prism rookie cards Ooh. in 2014 Ooh. for $1. They cost $1 at the time. He was this, you know, young Greek player who wasn't very good. He averaged six points per game his rookie season. Mm -hmm. um, I actually didn't buy them because I thought he was good. I bought them because his last name 
looked so really <laughs> funny on the jersey. And the, the Kubo. So, what, so <laughs> you, said, you said a prism, prism card? Yeah. So what, what's that? Prism is one of the biggest basketball products okay. and, and products across sports made by a company called Panini. Okay. Um, and that's often where, you know, it's the, it's the mid-tier for, re, for, you know, a good rookie card. So yeah. an example that I can give, a Luka Doncic out of 2018 Prism in PSA 10 condition, and cards are graded on a 1 to 10 scale by a company called PSA and then another company called BGS, otherwise known as Beckett. And you probably have heard, like, the Beckett magazines that used to have the card values and stuff like that. But a Luka Doncic PSA 10 rookie is about $1,200 to $1,500 as of recording this. Um, and you pull that out of a pack that at the time it released was, you know, 20 or $30. Mm-hmm. Uh, but way back in the day, the, in 2014, when I got into it, way you could back. buy an entire, <laughs> re- relatively, Relative. relatively I know, speaking, I know, I know. In, in, in terms of my life, that's like 40% back. <laughs> um, I, I saw that Instagram that you did about that. <laughs> Like, oh, that time! You're ten years old. Ten percent. One year. We have we have to talk about that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot here. Um, but that that Giannis Prism rookie card that you could have bought all day for one dollar in PSA ten condition now is between three and five thousand. Mm. Um, so 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 how? Oh wait, but how much did you you, you paid the one dollar for the Giannis? You said yeah, I got it. How much is it now? Uh, in PSA ten, it's about four thousand dollars. So. It went from one dollar to four thousand dollars. We right. can't just breeze over that. Yeah, right? that's, that's like, so that's so like how crypto. the hell did that happen? Yeah, exactly. That, that's right. the crazy part because when way back when when mm-hmm. I was collecting cards, it was you buy the pack, right? right? And you hopefully you get lucky inside the pack mm-hmm. and one of those cards are in it. So what you're saying is not that you bought the singular card by itself. Obviously, somebody had taken yeah. it out the pack and put these limited edition cards to the side. Right. Okay. So uh, buying a pack is just straight up gambling. Um, I mean, there's no difference between that and, you know, buying a raffle ticket or something like that. It's the exact same thing. Um, You buy a pack, people buy boxes for $3,000 and get nothing out of it. I'd rather take that $3,000 and go buy LeBron, a Kobe, a Curry, a Durant. Um, So that that was my approach from the beginning. It's like Um, that golden ticket strategy. (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully we find the golden ticket inside. Right, yeah. right, okay, exactly. Gotcha. Um, but you can go out and buy singles, and that's really where the, the bigger market is for mm-hmm. people who are investing. And people will buy cards that are raw, which is ungraded, and then more for you know higher prices, graded. Gotcha. So, okay, so let's break this down. How did this card go from $1 to $4,000 with how many years? Four years? Uh, six years? Six. six, seven years, six, yeah. Six, seven years. So that's like, like I said, that's a... Four thousand percent rate of return. Yeah. Right? Well, a lot of things right. happened between that time and him. Right? Well, well, I'm just seeing the inner workings. I know, right. obviously, he became. So I, I can give ten examples like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. But like, what's the um, inner workings of like? I'm trying to compare it to stock. We know that Giannis became Giannis. Yeah, that's yeah, ob- that's right. obvious. But what was it? A shortage of cards. So what I'll, I'll give a different example to uh, and analyze the last two years in sports cards. In 2018, you could buy a LeBron James PSA 10 Chrome Rookie for $1,000. Now, it's over $35,000, and they've sold for as much as $50,000. And this is the base card. So what happened in the last two years? LeBron didn't... Yeah, he's you know, LeBron. Yeah, he's he was LeBron, LeBron in 2018. Right. Right. He's yeah, LeBron yeah. now. Right. Yeah. Not, it's not like comparing Giannis in 2013 to Giannis in 2021. That was part industry explosion, part Giannis explosion, combination of the two if he wins a championship. So expectations and people betting on that. Um, but LeBron, essentially what happened was a lot of really big people in the industry, 
um, that were into it and that believed in it started talking about it. And that's how everything starts. I'm sure that's how cryptocurrency um, first began. And it's what made one uh, crypto better than another um, and ended up you know, rising Bitcoin and Ethereum to the top. But for sports cards, uh, it was a very similar thing. It was people talking under the scenes, people getting back into it, seeing some price increases from 2016 to 2018. And there are ebbs and flows. Like in sports cards were huge in the 1980s. And mm-hmm. then the company screwed it up in the 1990s because what they did was they saw how much people cared and they were like, all right, let's maximize our profits. So they yeah. just printed tons of everything and didn't follow any collectability principles, which are, you know, make sure that the demand outweighs the supply. There was a point in the 90s where the supply outweighed the demand by multiples of 10. And that's why there are 90,000 graded Ken Griffey Jr. rookies. <laughs> that's um, crazy. The Ken Griffey Jr. rookies. I have card. that card. Right. Uh, Everybody and their mom has that card. <laughs> and that's why it's not, you know. Just the streets with that. Yeah, we just right. said, I said that on the episode. Like, that's the, I have that card. I'm right. Serious. Oh, that's crazy. So what happened was it, the cards went down in value from then. Yeah. And then in 2010, 2011, 2012, a company called Panini got the NBA license from Tops and Upper Deck. Yeah. Um, and they started putting out things that followed in line with collectability principles. So there were only a, there were only a couple thousand high-quality Giannis rookies. There's only one flawless one-of-one uh, rookie patch auto logo man, which is where they take literally the logo off the jersey, put it on a card, he signed it, there was one of it. That sold for $1.9 million. The Giannis? The Giannis. Yeah. The reason that sold for $1.9 million is because there's only one of them. Yeah. As opposed to the Ken Griffey Jr., which can sell for you know, a decent amount still just because of his popularity, but the overproduction limited its growth. So that's how we get the Luka Doncic selling for $4.6 million. Exactly. They took a piece of the uniform, yep. put it on a card, had him sign it, it and that, now it's worth more than any Jordan rookie Yeah, card. $4.6 million. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll get into sort of the population reports and that side of things, okay. but... The reason that LeBron went from a thousand to thirty-five thousand is just because of increase in demand and all of those uh, having really limited supply. Limited supply and demand increasing is really what happened. And then, you know, people starting to see, oh, this is a place where if I know my stuff about sports, I can make a lot of money. And the reason that I think sports cards are going to go even bigger is because look at sports cards versus sports gambling, right? You can bet on LeBron to win the NBA Finals this year. You can make, maybe you double your money. I don't know what the Vegas odds are. Mm-hmm. Or you can buy a LeBron Chrome rookie. No matter whether he wins or loses, you own that card. You're not walking away with nothing. And you can buy a couple different ones. Say you want to bet 1000 You don't need to buy the $30,000 Chrome. There are other LeBron rookies that are $1,000 that can also still go up in value maybe two years ago or $50 or $100. So the reason I think sports cards are going to continue to grow so much is people are going to realize that, hey, I might be better off buying this sports card of the player because it is an alternative bet where I retain the asset at the end of the day, win or lose, mm-hmm. and it can still go up, win or lose. Mm-hmm. Sports gambling, you can walk away with nothing. So which approach do you think is better? Trying to find, the, like you said, the knowledge of sports could be very key in making a lucrative amount. Is it trying to find the next guy or putting some money in with the established guy, right? LeBron obviously is established, but do we have to say, you know what, Zion's going to be the next guy, right? Let's let's put money on him and watch his stock grow. Is that the best strategy? So so like anything, prospecting is, it has higher returns. If you thought that, you know, 
LeBron, or not LeBron, let me use a better example. If you thought that Giannis was going to be the man in 2013 and you put 100000 on Giannis, you have tens of millions of dollars now. Um, but the majority of Giannis's 15th draft picks, apart from Kawhi Leonard, um, mm. you know, did not make it. Right. People put tens of thousands into Anthony Bennett. <laughs> Anthony Bennett is not Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm sorry. Number one pick. <laughs> Number one pick. There are so many guys like that where people lost everything. So that disclosure is super important. Um, but on the backside of that, it's fun to try and to play with it. But a card can lose 50% of its value overnight if the player gets injured. It's just, a, it's just the reality of it. So you're better off. You're safer betting on Michael Jordan and LeBron and, you know, Kobe guys who, whose careers are so established that it's just nonsensical to even talk about. So let me ask you this. Um, so, all right, limited quantity equals greater demand, which will raise the price. Simple rule of investing. Um, but how do you know? Like, what is a limited quality? Like, what's a good amount where it's to say, okay, this is too much, this is great, or this is golden because it's not? Like, is there like 2,000, 5,000? Like, how do you use that benchmark? Right. So it really depends on the card. Um, and again, back to the demand. There could be, you know, look at a guy like Zion Williamson. There are ten to 15,000 high-grade Zion Williamson prism, the product that we talked about earlier, rookie cards mm -hmm. out there. And they're still selling for a decent amount because that demand is so high. Um, but there could be a low quantity of another guy of, like, let's say, Andrew Wiggins, another guy who is expected to be amazing. And he's not bad at all. He's an incredible scorer, and his cards are actually worth something again. But, you know, not the expectation of Andrew Wiggins going forward is not the same expectation of Zion. So it, it really is like an entirely different market for every player. So there are no numbers that can be applied to everybody. But let's say, you know, a Kevin Durant rookie, you want something with a population report that's relatively uh, low, maybe in the low thousands for a nice card. Or, so a population report, what's that? So a population report is uh, your cards are graded on a 1 to 10 scale. And if you go on PSA's site, uh, the company that grades them, they have the number of how many there are of each grade publicly. Okay. And that's that's the population They also grade report. the condition of the card too, right? That, that's, that's it, yeah. yeah. It can't have any creases in it or any yeah. folds. And, like, yeah, that, that's when it's mint 10. Exactly. Okay. Perfect so, condition. So how should you keep your card like in those like big, not glass, but like Curly. plastic thing? Like yeah. it's like a... Think? Yeah, so the safest way to keep your card is in a top loader. Um, so if you if you, if anybody looks it up, you'll see it immediately what that is. Um, a lot of the other cases, like binders, aren't the best for keeping your cards in good condition. That's no, <laughs> that's old school. I used to have binders. <laughs> right. I used to have binders for cards when I was a kid. That's a fact. I used to have that. So funny enough, um, the reason that a lot of those older cards are so valuable in great condition is because everybody stored them in binders and they're not in perfect condition. So it's really hard. You know, there are tens of thousands of graded Michael Jordan rookies, yeah. but there are only 330 PSA 10s. And that's why they're over $400,000. So somebody knew where to put them. They, so, stored, they stored them somewhere or, other than the binder. Or they just got lucky. Yeah. Like that's often what it is. Or they are paying insane premiums to open the box now, doing that gambling approach and maybe pulling one fresh out of a pack. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's, I asked that because that was going to be the strategy. I remember, like, my friend had enough money that he would just buy the box. 
Right. And he would buy like his parents would buy him three boxes, and we would buy him packs every week. Mm-hmm. And it was just like you know, he had the whole set before we can get like right. a page. I'm just like the same right. Thing. So yeah. I mean, back in the day, it probably made sense because every card pulled out of those has appreciated so much to make it make financial sense in retrospect. Mm-hmm. But now it's just straight up gambling and you're probably going to lose. So I, I, made, <laughs> I made my first investment uh, a couple weeks ago. Shout out to Neo. Um, I showed you the Mike Trout, Mike Trout 95 card. I think it was like, it was 95 because that's like the. The look of it, right? It like it was from Mike Trout was not a pro baseball yeah. player. Ninety five. <laughs> yeah. It was just called the ninety five card. Um, but you said that you said that I'll be good with that, right? Yeah. So that, why that, why'd you say that? So that's Project Seventy. Um, it's a series that Topps put out where they have a bunch of different artists um, making cards of popular players who. Uh, who, who also previous famous looks of cards. So they did Project 2020 last year with a bunch of artists, and those appreciated pretty significantly. So yeah, yeah. Like how? Like what's, what's, yeah, what's how much? Then like on average, percent wise. So if you look at the last year graph of Tops 2020, right when they dropped, they had a crazy uptick. Some of them went up five, ten, twenty x. Then they've come down since, but are still you know, worth double what a lot of people paid for them then. Is there like a website where you can track like the card, like, like, you know, like StockX, you can look at the sneakers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, if you, you know, crypto, there's a bunch of different websites, stock, you can like look to see what the stock is doing, if it's up and down for the day. Is it the same for trading cards? eBay. eBay? Mm. eBay. If you go on eBay, type in whatever card you have, click uh, settings, go to sold listings. You can see what every card is sold for ever. Mm. And it, it goes up and down intraday, like stocks? Yeah. So, and a lot of it, there are other parts of it to be aware of. So let's say, um, you know, there are people out there whom I don't necessarily approve of, whom, let's say, let's say there are 50 of a card and one person owns 20 of them. Most people go by recently sold listings. So if you're, if you, like I was at a big Dallas sports card show a couple weeks back and the way that people decide what to pay for cards is by going to eBay and looking at what sold listings were. It's called a comp, so you're, what you're comparing it to. Um, what some people will do if they have 20 out of 50 of a card is they'll sell one and bid it up themselves so it looks like it's worth more. Because you're dealing with such limited quantities of something, it's much easier to manipulate. So that's something to be super cognizant of if you're spending a lot on a, on a, on a given card. So if I'm investing in cards, what, which company is the, has the highest return? Is it tops? Like, what are right. the, like the top three or so four? So it, it all depends on the sport. Okay. License is the number one thing. So Panini has the license for uh, basketball and football. Okay. Tops has the license for baseball. baseball right. Upper Deck has the license for hockey. Um, that's how you want to determine what sport you're investing in where. A lot of them, like Panini puts out baseball, but don't buy baseball from Panini. Um, some other companies put out basketball, but don't buy it if it's not Panini because they have the NBA license. It means they can put the players in the jerseys that they that they uh, play for. Okay. Got it, got it. And you should, where, where should you buy that? Just from these webs? Should you ever buy it from third person, third parties? or? Yeah, so the safest way to buy cards um, is buying graded cards from high-rated sellers on eBay. Um, that's, that's, I would say, the safest way. Or going to an actual card show and seeing the card physically. Or the website, right? Yeah, like, I mean, or people you have web, like the tops. They have a website. They have a website. Yeah, if you want to buy like a pack or box of cards, that's that. 
But if you're looking at it from an investment perspective, I would pick out, I would do a ton of research. I wouldn't spend a dollar before you do weeks and weeks and weeks of due diligence. Um, and that can be everything from watching interviews with collectors to watching people open boxes on YouTube the same way that, you know, they're, you know, box breaks, like people open boxes of like tech products, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same for sports cards. And by watching those and seeing what's pulled and seeing people talk about the values, you can learn a lot. Um, watch card investment shows. I have one. So, you know, things like that uh, are, are good ways to get educated before spending a dollar. So is it always the potential of the player that will dictate if it's going to be? Because like sometimes it's an anomaly where it's like I've heard in the past like where the player might not necessarily be the greatest player, but it's just something about that player. Like you know what I mean, like maybe like a I don't know can you, if you have an example, but like in my brain I'm thinking like somebody like uh, Spud Webb. Wasn't the greatest of all time. I don't know how valuable his card is, but right, he's one of these people that have just lived in. He's a cultural, even Bo Jackson. That's probably a better example. Bo Jackson is not, is he even in the Hall of Fame? No. He's not a great. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm saying as far as if you look at his NFL career. Sure. Because of injury. Well, it, it is what it is. Yeah. He's not a great NFL player. Mm-hmm. But the legend of Bo Jackson is much bigger than his actual athletic accomplishments as a professional. Right. So in my brain, that would, his, his card would still be valuable even though somebody like uh, Thurman Thomas, way, a way better career, but Thurman Thomas is not held in the same regard as yeah. Bo Jackson. At the end of the day, you're betting on the person, not the player. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why Dave Portnoy cards from 2014 Allen and Ginter are hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands. It's why Joe Rogan, who has a card from when he was, from, you know, being a UFC broadcaster in 2009, I've paid over $1,000 for a Joe Rogan rookie card because... He has a rookie card as an announcer. Yes. Wow. Yeah. People only realized that a few months back. So, we, and so, they went, so who, <laughs> who makes those cards? So that, that like, was, that that was if, top. If you're not an athlete, oh, you have to do a deal with Tops. No, it's so, UFC. So he was a UFC announcer. So like so UFC's right. cards. If Ernie yeah. Leisure wants to have an Ernie Leisure rookie card right. for our debut podcast, like, who do we talk to about that? Yeah, so... So I'll answer this a couple of ways. Usually it's leagues that create partnerships. So like you mentioned, you know, the UFC, um, they got a partnership with Tops and they produced that set. Um, if you want to do it, you could do it independently or you could do it with Tops or Panini or Upper Deck. The good thing about, you know, you guys is you guys own all your own IP and, um, you know, you could just go directly to them and be like, hey, we want to do our own set um, and then have it tagged on there. Each guest will be a car. That's a fact. That's a good idea. Well, well, let's talk about... All right, let's get into this. Jay-Z. Oh, man. The man, the myth, the legend. Go. This guy just can't can't lose. So, he his, his player card sold it for $100,000 recently, which you said was 100x rate of return. Just about, yeah. Talk about that. So... Funny, funny story on, on that front. One sold for about $2,500. It was slightly worse, um, but this was a few months ago. That sold caught the attention of some people. Um, I know Jay personally has seen that sale and thought that it was funny but didn't know what it was. Um, and then 
you know, with the increase in alternative celebrity cards, so everything from Bill Gates cards from the 1990s to Dave Portnoy to Joe Rogan to, you know, Oprah. You got everybody's cards from like these random sets, not usually not produced by major companies, but especially just a some random older person ones. just makes it. Or a company that used to exist and doesn't exist anymore and stuff like that um, have exploded. Uh, people realized that this Jay-Z card made by Tops, it's called a Superfractor. It's the one of one. There are a few different one of ones, but this is one of the best one of ones. Um, was a card to have. And all you need for a card to become really, really valuable is a couple of rich people getting in a bidding war. And I think that that's what happened. And it sold for over $105,000, becoming the all-time record for a non-sports or Pokemon or Magic the Gathering card sold Ooh. ever. How much was it when it originally came out? I mean, somebody pulled it out of a pack. So somebody got it out of a ten dollar. So it was it was it was a one of one inside of a pack. Yeah, and that was the only one in the world. <laughs> Correct. And they put it inside of a pack. Yeah, right. It's ten dollars. Totally it's the golden. It's the golden ticket. But what kind of pack is it? Is it a pack of just random celebrities that have cards? Like right. So that I believe that was a, a, a baseball set that they had just shoved it in. Um, sometimes they'll do that. So like in 2008, Tops put presidents. Um, they put uh, Barack okay, Obama's okay, okay. rookie card, which is now thousands of dollars as well. Um, but they put that in a baseball set in series one of 2008 Tops baseball. Yeah. And people just randomly got them. That's, 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 that's sort of the betting side of it. So yes, in theory, you can have incredible returns just like you can, you know, buying a lottery ticket. There's no, there's no difference. You're not going to win. That's crazy. <laughs> Except for when you do. Jay makes money from the sale of it. Correct. It's not like an NFT where you get perpetual um, 20%. What is he laughing at? <laughs> what the hell is this? Well, we're going to have this NFT conversation. Well, before we go there, well, let's transition to NFTs. And the perfect transition, I think, is NBA Top Shot. Hmm. Something I've been hearing about a lot recently. What is NBA Top Shot? NBA Top Shot is a licensed uh, blockchain platform where they take highlights and turn them into NFTs. But it's not decentralized. It's super centralized on NBATopShot.com. It's not like other NFTs, you can transfer it from platform to platform. Top Shot is confined to this one. Um, so they, they created a centralized licensed platform to sell NBA highlights as NFTs. And some have gone from thousands to hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I'm, I'm still like baffled by some of them. I, I watched a, a Kyrie Irving uh, layup from the Celtics that was right. selling for ninety five thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm just, I'm how how do we determine the yeah. value of these things? What the, va me. the value of anything is what somebody's what willing to pay. Okay. That's a fact. Um, but for Top Shot. So a lot of the ones that are selling for a lot are from Series 1. So they put it out in Series. Series 1 uh, for Top Shot is more limited quantity. It was before it was popular. And that's how a lot of these things are. The second something gets popular, it's now uh, a new market value. Bitcoin is super popular. That's why it's $60,000 a coin. Um, Top Shot is now super popular. That's why some of those Series 1s are selling for ninety-five, $100,000, $200,000, $300,000. Um, series 2 is less expensive, Series 3 will be less expensive than that, Series 4 less than that, unless the demand increases at the same proportional rate. And when they do by series, they're changing something specific inside of the NFT itself? Yeah, so it's just the highlight. So Series 1 was last year's NBA season, okay. but also the rookie NFT for a lot of these guys. Okay. Um, and in all collectibles, rookie is king. You want the rookie of everything you buy. 
and that doesn't even matter. Not even the player's status as a rookie. Just in, just in collectibles. Collectibles. It's a rookie collectible. So right? if you're if you're buying art, you want the person's first thing, yeah. or you want the the best, or you know, in Pokemon, you want the first edition. In Magic Gathering, you want the first edition. Right. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh is the same. Uh, when you're buying like toys, like stuffed animals, Beanie Baby, whatever, you want the first thing. Yeah. So let me ask you this. All right. So what? Let's get into this conversation because people don't fully understand it. Like the LeBron James dunk, right? Right. I think it sold for how much did it sell for? Which dunk? It's one of the best. A um, couple hundred thousand. A couple hundred thousand dollars. A couple of my buddies bought bought those. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You, you got some, some rich friends. Yeah, a lot of good friends. <laughs> uh, so, all right. A couple so, of them. So if, I, I, want, I want to paint this visual picture for people that might not fully understand what's going on here. So... This is the world of sports collectibles and NFTs colliding. We're going to have a conversation about NFTs. But LeBron James, he's going up and he's, he, he's dumb. It's like a highlight that you can see on SportsCenter, YouTube, Instagram, mm-hmm. whatever. So a lot of people don't fully understand it because it's like, okay, why would I pay for something that I could already see on YouTube for free? Right. But correct me if I'm wrong. And my understanding of it is like now you, you own it. Mm-hmm. And it's no different from the Mona Lisa, where, yeah, you can see the Mona Lisa on YouTube. You can see the Mona Lisa on Google Images, but you don't own the Mona Lisa. The Louvre in Paris does. If you want to see the real, authentic Mona Lisa, you have to go to Paris. So now that highlight is all over. It can be seen all over, but you own the highlight. Is this correct? You're paying for the rights to sell it. So you own the highlight. Yeah. So even though other people can see it for free, you don't you don't own the IP. Like if it's the NBA if, owns it. The NBA owns it. Okay. Um, the NBA gives up no intellectual property to Top Shot. The only thing that you're paying for is a legal way to be able to sell said highlight, uh, sell the blockchain of said highlight. Um, so you know if somebody wants to use that clip in a movie or mm-hmm. in a commercial, you're not getting paid dividends by the NBA. Right. Um, but you know, similar to the Mona Lisa, the person who owns the Mona Lisa or the museum that owns the Mona Lisa has the ability to sell it, has the ability to do other things with it. Um, the same is true with a Top Shot. So yes, I've watched that LeBron dunk tons of times, but I don't have the ability to sell it because I don't own that Top Shot. How does that work with the NBA since they own the intellectual property for it when I take a highlight and now try to sell it? Could this be a lawsuit down the road? Uh, so there's definitely not going to be a lawsuit because it's it's licensed. Okay. Um, so they paid the NBA to okay. be able to do this. Okay. Um, but I do think it will be a very interesting situation when their licensing agreement comes to an end because it has grown so much faster than they thought it was going to yeah, yeah, yeah. from the NBA's standpoint. It is, I mean, they've done like 300 million year to date. Like yeah. These numbers are ridiculous. So you own it, but you really don't own it because the NBA still owns the highlight. Right. Okay. But you own the uh, digital collectible of that highlight. So you own, where is this digital, is this digital, is it a hologram? So it, it, let me explain it this way. Um, let's say you buy that Mike Trout card. You don't own the photo of the Mike Trout card, okay. but you I own, own the Mike, the Mike Trout, Trout card. card. Yeah. Okay, I got it. So the NFT of that LeBron James dunk, is this, how am I seeing this? Is it like inside of a cube that's like, a hologram that rotates it. Yeah, that, so that was, that was happening. The, the cool thing about NFTs are they go with you wherever you go. So I have like I have too many sports cards to be able to handle, as do all sports card collectors. Um, so I can't physically have them with me at all times. I wish I could have brought them all here, but I can't. But 
my NFT collection comes with me wherever I go. It's in my phone. It's on my computer. It's on anybody else's phone if I log in. So, all right. That, but, but, but how, though? Yeah. And how? Is it like a website? Is it a, yeah. a, a USB cord? Where is that? Like, is it an app? How do you access your NFT collection? So, for Top Shot, it's on nbatopshot.com. For other collectibles, some are on you know, other platforms. I'm an advisor for a platform called Eternity. Um, where we're producing authentic uh, NFT collectibles for celebrities, partnering big celebrities with, uh, with big artists. So we announced our Muhammad Ali collection with his foundation, uh, and part of that goes to their charity. Fernando Tatis Jr. the other day, Tony Hawk last week. That's good. Um, it's super exciting. Yeah. Um, and that, that's all on you know, the Eternity platform, whereas you know, you have other platforms where different things can live on and you can transfer them from one platform to another if they're decentralized. That's the key differentiator between NFT platforms. Topshot is centralized. So you can't transfer the Topshot from one place, take it off to another place. Correct. So what, all right, let's get into this. What is an NFT? And like a third grade explanation because I think most people haven't, they've heard of it. They know people are making a bunch of money, but they still don't fully understand what an NFT is. Right. So uh, I'll preface this with, Everything is super new. Uh, if you had asked most of the experts, and that's why I say, like, I don't like to be called an expert because I didn't know what an NFT was a year ago. So how could I possibly be an expert now, right? Um, so if you ask most people who are the biggest in the space what an NFT was two years ago, they, they wouldn't have an answer. So it's totally understandable as a preface that people don't know what it is because most people didn't. Uh, an NFT, NFT is an acronym for non-fungible token. And all that means in short is it's the ability to sell a digital collectible. That's really what it is. There are all of these different platforms that sell, you know, whether it be a photo or video or art um, that is only available in this digital form, unless it has a corresponding physical aspect, but most only have this digital form and you buy it. Uh, you are the either sole owner of it, or if there is a set quantity, you are one of that many owners of it. And then you have the ability to resell that. Let's say I drew something on this table here, um, took a photo of it, then we destroyed the table so there's no physical uh, you know, component of it. Um, and then I made that an NFT. And somebody could go out and buy the NFT of my drawing on this table, and then they would own that. I wouldn't own it. They would. Um, and the cool thing about NFTs from an artist standpoint is you get uh, 20% royalty or 10% royalty, whatever you set it as in advance. So it's different from any card or any physical asset, whereas you know Banksy can sell a work of art for a million dollars, but that's the last million dollars he sees, half a million after taxes. Um, and you know, whereas somebody could sell an NFT today, for a million dollars, he could sell that same artwork for a million, and then it gets sold for two million. But he gets four hundred thousand of that because he had a twenty percent royalty on it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's tracked all within blockchain, and it's passive because you're not doing anything. So, can we go back for two seconds? Because yeah. when you said that centralized, like Top Shot, if you had your car collection, are some of those NFTs also on the Ethereum network? So, I'm thinking like if I have. Uh, an NFT and I'm putting it on the Ethereum network now can that live inside my Ethereum wallet? No, so, so uh, Topshot runs on something called Dapper okay. um, or their, their own coin, their own currency it's not on Ethereum at all It's okay. crypto though, right? 
It's their own, their uh, own token. So you have to buy NFTs with cryptocurrency, correct? Uh, most, most, platforms, the, most platforms, some platforms allow you to pay via credit card to turn uh, that into crypto, but most of the end-to-end -end exchanges run on, so you, on crypto. If, if I have a Visa or MasterCard, it, it does a conversion, or do I have to transfer it to whatever the token of choice it, is? It all depends on the platform, okay, gotcha. um, but most require you to just have the Ethereum or the ability to turn it into their own currency. Got it. So Ethereum is a, is a coin of choice for NFTs? Right. Yeah, it, it, it really has shaped out that way. Um, the utility of Ethereum beats the utility of Bitcoin, of Bitcoin right. and Litecoin or whatever, Dogecoin, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it beats the utility for a lot, a lot of those other tokens so that that has been. And it, it, although I will say uh, Ethereum, it's worth knowing that it is an inflationary token, whereas Bitcoin is not. Um, there are more Ethereum produced to match um, the natural inflation, mm -hmm. whereas Bitcoin is a set, set quantity. Set um, so the, all those same things, again, apply back over to sports cards um, and collectibles. You want to know the quantity. You want to know how many are out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of the things we were studying was the, the circulating supply mm -hmm. of the coin, right? Because we know if there's going to be a limited, I think it was like 19 or 18.2 million right. Bitcoin, then at some point there will be no more that are going to be produced. And so when you when we saw Ethereum before we even understood like okay that's why they have to keep making coins it was like all right well what can the value be well the functionality will be determined on how many people build on it yeah so it's just being aware of that yeah. um, like you know there's so many things underneath it like Chainlink there are so many yeah, incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. things underneath Ethereum and yeah. so many cool platforms built on it that have you know uh, thousands of daily exchanges it's it's really incredible and Ethereum 2.0 hasn't even launched yet it's right. like you know uh, you know, transparently, also, I'm invested in Ethereum, so I, obviously I believe in it, but um, but it does have a lot of utility. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff is stuff that, you know, it's changing the world and it's all kind of combining together. I just put more, I was always invested in Ethereum. I invested more money in Ethereum a couple weeks ago. I brought my first trading card. As in, Let's go, dude, you're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, now I just need the NFT. But um, I feel like as NFTs go up, Ethereum is going to go up as well kind of tied to each other. I, for a moment, I, 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 and in some ways I look at Ethereum as the ETF for NFTs from the sense of there's nothing more broad that you can get um, unless you're investing in a platform that does it or an individual, you know, something like that. Uh, That's a good comparison, the ETF for NFTs, mm -hmm. meaning it's a safe way to kind of indirectly invest in NFTs because... Or they're kind of tied, loosely tied to each other. Right, very loosely because uh, NFTs right now are a very, very small percentage of what Ethereum's use cases are. Yeah. Um, and most people are just holding their Ethereum, so a lot of it's not getting transacted anyways. Um, but in a way, in it, a way. Is, it is you know, the most broad way to... Because that's, that's my next question. Have some in. How do you NFT invest space. in NFTs? That's a question right. people ask all the time. So you can go to individual platforms like Ethernity or you know, all, all these other platforms. Eternity? Yeah. Eternity, what is it? Eternity? That's like, so you can just buy anything, art, anything? Like So on, on Eternity, um, once the platform's fully launched, there have been a few drops, but it's individual um, artists and celebrities. So on, on Eternity, there are a couple different types of platforms. There are platforms that allow anybody to post anything. 
That's an example of that is a, a platform called OpenSea. OpenSeed? OpenSea. C, uh, S-E-A. Like C? Yeah, S-E-A. Oh, okay. Um, S-E-A, like C, like, C, like the body yeah, of open water. Sea. Open okay, C. Gotcha. Um, and anybody can upload anything on there. There's a bunch of crap. Like, it is not good. You will lose your money. You'll only buy things that you know or buy things of you know, things where it's blatantly obvious that there will be lots of demand. Then there are other platforms like Eternity, the one that I'm an advisor for, where it's only celebrities. So every NFT drop on that platform is associated to somebody like Muhammad Ali or Tony Hawk or Fernando Tatis or other big celebrities in the future, right? So you know that, you know, it's it's somebody. Yeah. So this big. is when social equity now plays a huge part. because So big. The more you have social equity... You can go onto this platform and now it becomes a rare mm -hmm. thing. It separates but you from the, from simul the rest. Simultaneously, I will say that where a lot of people are missing the mark is by either valuing things too high, not uh, properly quantifying for what the demand is going to be. Because trust is the number one thing in everything, right? Whether it be from uh, business to personal relationships, whatever. Trust is everything. And especially between a celebrity and their fans or an influencer and their fans or a person and the people that follow them. Um, and what a lot, where a lot of people are missing the mark on NFTs is they value things so high, people invest because they're really excited about this opportunity. Yeah. And then it goes down in value because they, they misproperly uh, estimated what the demand would be. And then you're in a situation where people start saying, oh, I lost money on said person's drop. And that destroys consumer trust. So in, you, as, in your role as an advisor, are you the person that's saying, like, this is the quant this is the amount that we should have, the quantity, this is the price target we should have, and this is the commission you should put on this? Yeah, so that's one of the things that I help with. Okay. Um, and I, I've helped get other people on the team who are even better at that than I am. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's a super important component of it. Because if you put something out, you should always put something out for significantly less than what the demand is going to be, mm -hmm. right? Because then that's the room of appreciation. You want everybody to make money when you do anything. If I put out, uh, if, if Virgil Abloh puts out a shoe for $5,000, I don't know if it's going to be worth more than 5000 And then it's tricky to get people to buy it. And even if they buy it, then it's like, it's, it's, it's it, there's no good vibes there. Whereas if he puts a shoe out for 400 and then people go buy it, it's a race to go buy it. Kanye is the goat of doing this <laughs> yeah. with Yeezy, right? But just using Virgil as an example here, um, people go out and 5X their money on his sneakers and then everybody loves Virgil. Like this dude stands for appreciation on investment. Mm -hmm. You want to be that guy. You don't want so to be you, the other so guy. You, so, okay, upstairs. You, that's interesting. So, you think that people are looking at, like, you think that Virgil and Kanye are thinking about that when they when they are dropping products or even like Adidas or, you know, these type of brands where they're like thinking about the resale? They're thinking about the resale when they drop the retail? Because resale is what drives future buys. Resale is the reason that people buy the next product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everybody's in it. Everybody's in life to make money for obvious reasons, for better or worse, in different aspects. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But when they're buying Yeezys, either they're buying it to wear it, and then they get that social status kick or bonus or ego flow or whatever, or they're in it to make money, or they just love it. And those people are great too. So the, re the retail, <laughs> the, retail <laughs> the retail is being dictated by the resale. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. When he puts out volume one, right? If you miss out on volume one, you got it. Like, 
Now you're making sure that you don't miss volume too, because exactly. you don't want to miss on that. It, it's Bitcoin. It's all of this stuff. No, People but even like, I mean that part. But I'm just saying, as far as like, because like you said, they could probably charge more. Mm -hmm. But then it's like by charging more, you're actually hurting the resale, and the resale is actually hurting is actually helping the retail because the demand is that I'm gonna buy this out the first day so I can resell it. So even mm -hmm. though you're not you're not getting profit on the resale. It's actually helping the retail because all the resale sellers are rushing. If you raise the prices, then that's going to lower the demand for retail. Resell mm -hmm. sellers. Yeah. That's interesting. Everybody's yeah. got to make money. Yeah, I think Virgil's is probably even better. His, I mean, the sneakers were $160. Right now, they're $5,000 a pair. Doesn't that establish so much trust right. with and, you? And he doesn't. His thing was like that the 10 drop, that's never happening again. Whereas Yeezy, his goal from the start was... Everybody who ever wants a pair of Yeezys will have a pair of Yeezys. Right. It hasn't happened yet, but he's working toward but it. But simultaneously, the stuff, like the very early stuff, like the Nike oh, that's, Yeezy yeah, right, right, is right. so valuable because of the limited quantity. Exactly, exactly. The early Adidas Yeezy is so valuable because it wasn't yet made for everybody. Right. And for Kanye, obviously, he's at a different point where I think his goals have shifted, yeah. particularly with his Gap partnership and other things. Um, and only Kanye could speak for this himself, but... We're not um, talking, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask him. <laughs> Please. Uh, that's, that's actually pretty dope. Um, hmm. Okay. So, at what point do you see all of this colliding? We spoke with Gary V about this with the, the world of, because this is how I envision NFTs, where it's like an NFT art. You know, I can actually, instead of buying artwork, I can go on a website, see a dope artist that I like, buy their painting, have a hologram of it in my house mm -hmm. where now it's like I can move it to different rooms mm -hmm. and now I'm actually living that art and I can take that art anywhere and now it's like virtual reality I buy it with cryptocurrency so it's cryptocurrency and it's NFT all blended together and even moving even forward in my brain like I, I buy I buy the LeBron James dunking over Jason Terry, right? I buy that. So I buy it with crypto. It's an NFT. But now I actually can play it as a virtual moment, like a little thing that sits here on a table, and I can just watch LeBron James <laughs> dunking and just running back and just stop it. Am I going too far with this in my brain, or is this No, not at direction? all. I, I think there like everything you're thinking about is a hundred percent right times a thousand right because once widespread adaptation of virtual reality and things like products like oculus are made accessible by everybody mm -hmm. you're no longer living in the real world um so which is which is more important i think there's a place for both obviously i believe in nfts i also believe equally in sports cards and historical artifacts and things like that you know uh, an example of that, I recently bought an Abraham Lincoln signed document from 1865 where he was appointing the then Postmaster General. Um, How much you pay for? 15000 um, which I think is a steal because it was also <laughs> graded a PSA 10. Um, where, but, where does something like that go and sell it? Like, is that like at an auction or where, where you find it? Yeah, like so that? usually just private collectors. Okay. Um, it, it'll be private deals, but... 
you'll find some of them in auction. Auctioning can be tri tricky though because sometimes they're unauthenticated, so you really have to know what you're doing. The best thing is always buying things in a PSA slab because it's previously authenticated. But to answer your question, I think that um, the farther and farther we get down the road of it, of spending more time in digital, spending more time in virtual reality, like we think our screen times are high now. I think it's just the beginning. What's Oculus? Oculus is What's Facebook's it? virtual reality product. Yeah. It's a headset that you put on and you're in virtual. That's how I actually shop eBay. I look at eBay in, in VR. Yeah. yeah, I do a few things in, in VR, but um, I think when you're in that sort of uh, uh, a landscape, widespread for a lot of people, and you're able to go to, go to your friend's house virtually yeah. and look at all of their collectibles, and some platforms like that exist now, like one's called VV, I believe, um, where you, you have things where you can do that, do that now, but that as well as companies like Infinite Objects where they're making screens that you can buy now and have in your house and display all of your NFTs on a loop. Like in your studio, I don't know if, if they've seen it, people have probably seen it on your social, but you have a ton of album covers, right? Imagine if each one was a screen that rotated um, every album ever. <laughs> the metal piece, yeah. 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 Oculus is, is, is pretty crazy. My brother was actually, he's been trying to put me onto this because of the exercise on it. Like yeah. the workouts are Dude, crazy. it's amazing. Yeah, he loves yeah. it. And so I, I think it'll be widespread when they can figure out to just make it a little bit smaller. Yeah. Right now it's like this big thing on your face and you kind of lose. Totally. Yeah, and cheaper because it's expensive. Exactly. And, and so I, I think definitely in the future because well, that I, virtual world is something that how we I haven't touched. How I envision, I have a very creative brain. I go too far sometimes, but I, how I envision it is no glasses at all. It's actually contact lenses. Right, that's small. Pop, go. Yep. pop in the contact, and that's it. And you just go to Paris. You know, like who was that? Was my Minority Report with Tom Cruise? It was like he had the little lens, and it was like it became the computer, and everything was in front of him. That's, Seems inevitable, right? Yeah, it was like it was, it was felt foretelling. The I future. mean, yeah, you know, I, I'm young, right? But even in the last 10, 15 years. Look at how far things have progressed. <laughs> yeah, like the cool. iPhone didn't exist 15 years ago. Yeah. Like that's your, a your crazy thing crazy. to wrap a head around. If you're watching this. Imagine for us. Yeah, I, can, I, can, I can only. <laughs> if, if you're watching this or you're listening to this, screenshot it, take a picture, take a mental note. This is documented in history. So when it actually happens 10 years from now, you can say that we were on the cutting edge providing this this insight because I, I feel like there's no way that the, the world doesn't move into this direction fully yeah. because it's already headed in a direction so the the rate of progression in society is only going faster and faster because of the of the ability to learn things you have two-year-olds that are using ipads with fluidity mm -hmm. when 80 and 90 year olds can't the compounded the <laughs> compounded version of that is people advancing everything at rates that have never been done before and increasing every year. So year over year, the rate of technology improving is only gonna get faster and higher. So I'm with you guys, it's inevitable. I just thought about that in your lifetime, like the iPhone didn't exist when you were born, but it's here now. Yeah. Like that's crazy. iPads didn't exist, but they're here now. It's let's, been crazy 20 years. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk some sports and your page. So you have an NBA page called Hoops Nation, where you built it over a million followers. Uh, you had an interesting take on what the NBA versus other sports leagues. So the NBA is more friendly with their content for content creators. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that, like your page, shout out to, what's the dude, Filet? 
It's a bunch of people that have curated content around sports, but especially yeah. around NBA yeah. and have become like celebrities on social media. So um, which, what is what is the NBA doing that other sports leagues are not, are not doing? So funny enough, it's actually what they're not doing. Um, the NFL will strike down people's content. Uh, if they use NFL footage. The MLB will have pages deleted and wiped out because they're violating intellectual property. Mm. Um, the NHL is the same way. All, pretty much all soccer leagues are the same way worldwide. Whereas the NBA realized something really early. They realized you know, the same thing that maybe Kanye with Adidas realized, which was people talking about my thing is actually good for my thing. Why would I stop people from talking about it if it's not directly conflicting with our bottom line and our live TV viewership? So the NBA allowed micro-communities to exist from the very beginning of the internet. And that has led to the NBA having 10 times as many followers as pretty much any other professional sports league themselves, not counting all the micro-communities. So like Hoops Nation you know, has 5 million on TikTok and a million on Instagram and you know, half a million on Facebook and all these... That could have never existed without the NBA's IP policies, whereas their view is if it doesn't directly conflict with our live TV viewership or you know, our digital viewership on full games, it helps. So AKA, if you're not live streaming our games or playing full game highlights, you're helping us. It's no different from right. like when people, like Shade, when shout out to them, they hit, they hit us up today and they wanted to post a clip that we did with Jim, Jim, Jim Jones. And I'm like, sure, go ahead. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like, we give you credit. I'm like, nah, go ahead. Because that only leads to us becoming bigger. Yeah. Because they have a huge 26 million people on the Instagram page. Exactly. So people are going to see it. Why would you not want them to share? Like you said, as long as they're not taking the entire podcast right. and repurposing it. And running ads against yeah. it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the NBA content is, is, is more viewable. You can just tell if you look at all the sports and you look at the views for NBA highlights. It surpasses any other sport. And, but I, I think that's why. Yeah, I think because why. of the yeah. policy, that's why. But it's also more. Program for it. Maybe, maybe football, but NBA. You I can't see them. Well, you can still have highlights, but baseball, I mean, you hit a home run, okay. Defensive play. Something yeah, like Mike that. Trout climbing the wall is pretty it's dope. Pretty, yeah, yeah. But it's not as like you Tatis see, jumping out. You see somebody getting dunked on. So, that's all. Right. Like, so it doesn't even matter who it is. The, it's it's better. Dunk. It's better visually to watch NBA highlights right. than so other the, sports. The uniqueness of the NBA in contrast to other sports. You look at the NBA versus the NFL. NFL, you have forty players, 50, 60 players on the field at the same time. They're all wearing helmets. You can't see their faces. Yeah. MLB, they're wearing hats, and there are twelve players, thirteen players on the field at the same time. Hockey is a you can't even. You don't even know if a person's there. It could be a robot on the on the ice. No, I have no clue. Um, I can't right? even personality. Whereas with the NBA, you have five guys on a team. Yeah. Uh, you know, ten guys on a court at the same time. You see their face. You see LeBron's face. Yeah. That's why NBA players are so much more famous than any other athletes. Soccer is actually similar. Um, and the reason that soccer is so big is just because the amount of viewers well, yeah, is right, crazy, right, right, right. even though they're smaller on the field, but you get more close-ups and they're not wearing a mask or a hat or anything, so you can see their faces. Yeah. The facial recognition of NBA players is unparalleled to other sports leagues. That's why they're 20, 30 guys with 5, 10 million followers mm -hmm. on Instagram, as opposed to the NFL where it's Odo Beckham Jr. case closed. Yeah. And you guys, and the important thing about what you guys can do is you can make a star. Right. Yeah. If that high, like I'll give you a perfect example. Right. Most people have no idea who Tyler Halliburton is. Mm -hmm. But if they watch the highlight that he just dropped this guy on the floor, now I'm a fan because I got to see if he can do that again. 
Right. And so it makes it like a unique thing where it's like, you didn't know him before, but now you do because right. you saw the highlight. In the NFL, for you to be big time, you have to be Tom Brady. You have to win seven super. You have to be the greatest of all time. Right. And even then, he has one seventh the followers LeBron James. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like sports in general has their popularity as far as players has decreased drastically. Like when I was a kid growing up, 90s, even 2000s, like sports was everything. Like you really, now, not so much. Like NFL players don't mean anything. They don't mean mm-hmm. anything to this cultural relevance at all. Unless you like you say, yeah, Odell Beckham or Tom Brady. <laughs> you don't really, you're not important at all. Social media influences are way more important than NFL players. And only a couple of NBA players really mean anything. Like a couple, like the All-Stars, that's it. The average NBA player is struggling to get into a club in South Beach. Well, that's a funny visual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get to a club yet. I can't. <laughs> well, he probably has more. Social, You've heard about it, though. I'm, social, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. sure he has more social pull than a lot of NBA players. That's it definitely does. Not even a question. I mean, we've seen it with our platform. Like For sure. I guarantee more people recognize us than a lot of NBA players at this yeah. point in time. Yeah. I say that to say, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> it, used to, it used to be a thing where you where people would say you are the sum of your friends that you hang out with. Mm-hmm. But I heard you say something that you are the sum of the Instagram pages that you follow. Yeah. Talk about that. So in a year like 2020 or 2021, where our screen times are higher than the time that we spend around our friends and family, um, which is just the reality, you know, not to like sugarcoat anything. Um, the, the time you spend... It is extremely important and impactful on you, no matter what you do, whether you're hanging out with friends in life or family, but for the phone's sake, it's so important what you see. You have to be consuming the right stuff. You have to be consuming stuff that helps you. You have to be consuming stuff that uplifts you, but not inorganically, not like cheesy or tacky, like stuff that is um, actually beneficial to you in your life. So that is why, you know, in the same way that you are the sum uh, in real life of those whom you are closest to, those whom you talk to the phone on the most, even those who you Snapchat, whatever, they're all adding to who you are as a person and that changes and ebbs and flows the same way like, you know, a body shape or something like that could when you work out, right? Um, but for Instagram, it is so underrated how important is who you follow. Mm. Unfollow everybody that isn't good to you. Mm. Because it's negative energy and it's just... Don't need it. It compounds... Yeah. It compounds like crazy. And you don't even notice it happening. Yeah. You see a story that bugs you, mute them forever. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, one strike policy. Them. I have a one strike policy on my feed. If I if I see something I don't like, gone. Yeah. You do dumb shit one time, you you're done. Yeah, gone. Yeah. And I, it's not that I unfollow somebody. I'll just mute them. The mute on Instagram is the most underrated tool. Instagram mutes itself because it's like the algorithm. There's so many people that I don't even I follow, and I actually want to see their content, and I just never see it until I actually see them on my explore page randomly. And I'm like, oh, right. I, I need to follow this. Oh, I'm already following them. So, I haven't seen a post for 42 weeks. So one one thing I'll say when you follow somebody on Instagram, what they do is they immediately test to see if you're actually going to engage with that account. If you want to start liking, they put the post at the top of your feed originally. So if you really want to see somebody's content, go and like those posts immediately because then they'll keep feeding it to you. Oh, okay. Can, can we talk about uh, the importance of Hoops Nation? Because not only was it a, as a sports basketball uh, outlet, but you have artists reaching out, reaching out to you too. Yeah. So Meek Mill yeah. decided that, you know what? This is a basketball site, but it's an uh, interesting reason why he calls <laughs> on you. You want to talk about that? 
Yeah, so for, for a bunch of different labels since I, I, I was like 16, um, well, I realized a couple of things. A, um, you know, I had this platform. All of my friends, because, you know, in any business, you're going to become friends with people who are doing similar things. So all of a sudden, I had this huge network of all the basketball pages. Um, you know, and I realized that, hey, these, these uh, you know, these rappers want to be NBA players. The NBA players want to be rappers. I am sort of a weird media intermediary here. Right. Um, why don't we put a lot of these songs over the tops of the stuff we're already posting? So I started reaching out to labels like Atlantic and Interscope. Um, and it, it was a very easy, you know, uh, symbiotic relationship from the beginning where I could use my pages and all of my friends' pages. Um, everybody wins and, you know, the artist stuff gets featured. So Meek's been somebody who I've done a campaign for through the label. Not yeah. Meek's not out here like... No, personally the, handling yeah. his digital campaigns but um but yeah that, that's how so you're, you're, you're putting the music to the highlight and now because i'm watching the highlight i hear the song i need to know what song this is yeah sometimes highlights sometimes memes sometimes like street videos that will get you know the permission and an ip for and yeah yeah I've, I've fallen victim to that a bunch of times like what song is this I gotta, I gotta so meek mill reached out to right. you Th through the label okay um have you ever spoken to him before i haven't spoken to him personally okay. no Okay. Well, you just used his music. They asked me to, yeah. yeah. For the championship album. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dope because, and like I said, it breaks records. Like, Don't that just know. happened. I think Swiss did a video, and um, he was dancing in the video. I'm like, what song is this? And then it was like, Designer. So I go to Designer's page. Designer yeah. puts out a new song. I like this song. Well, Let that, me download this song. They, and they pay you for that, obviously. Yeah. So that's interesting because we were talking to an influencer. Shout out to Talk to Pops. So he has an Instagram page. and he was, got he was explaining to us um, how, uh, well, first he explained to us how that page got bought for $60 million. Mm -hmm. what's, mm -hmm. the, what's the page? Uh, Daquan and the yeah. network of pages underneath it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, was, that was crazy. By IMG, yeah. And he was saying that um, how the record labels are spending their budgets on social media influencer pages mm -hmm. now because like that's like you know the way to market. That's like the street team where it's like, all right, this page has a million followers. Like, let's, you know, give this guy 20, 30,000, whatever the budget is to promote the artist as opposed to just doing the traditional route, which is kind of outdated. So right. all of that is kind of merging together. And now it's a new way that record labels are using to reach the masses mm -hmm. through social media influencer pages. The, C, the simplest way to put it is they realize that the CPM, so the cost per you know thousand and million views on platforms like TikTok and Instagram are a tenth the cost of what they are on YouTube or a hundredth of the cost of what they are on linear TV. Mm -hmm. And it just made too much sense. As so a, how many pages do you have? Because at one point I read that you had up to 20 yourself. Yeah, so... <laughs> So essentially, one of the things that I'm doing with the Hoops Nation brand yeah. is um, either from acquiring other brands in other niches, um, mm -hmm. so like just acquired one called Ocean Nation, we have tra Travel Nation, uh, Cards Nation is a sports card subsidiary, and I have an alternative investment show underneath that, Hoops Nation on all platforms. Right. Um, so, and eventually we'll get into like Beauty Nation and things like that. Taking over all nations. I mean, why not, right? <laughs> to franchise it. Um, but, but yeah, so that, that's sort of how that is. How, how many people do you have on your team? Uh, so on the Hoops Nation team, it's five people um, who manage all the digital. Uh, on the Buster Show, it's like five people, five or six people. 
Um, yeah, so that that's that. And then depending on each project, I'll have individual people whom I trust um, who are doing that. And the reason I say that I trust is I really only do work with people who I've known for years um, and trust. Eli, who's, who's here, is a producer. Eli and I have known each other for like two years before we started working together. And I think that having that trust beforehand for anything is the secret. Eli picked our albums for today. Shout out to Eli. Shout out. <laughs> Good choices. Good choices. <laughs> Shout out to Dre. Shout out to Jay. So, okay. How does an uh, influencer determine the price that they should be charging? If they get an approach, if you have a million followers, you get an approach by Columbia Records or whatever, how do you know? A lot of time I think influencers don't know how to fully gauge their worth. Is there a formula? Right. So, more important than followers is engagement. Um, engagement is the number one thing that people who know what they're doing look at. Um, so if you have a million followers and you have a 10% engagement, right, you're getting 100,000 likes per post. I, you know, To put a ballpark number, I think you could charge, if you're a person, I think you could charge all the way up to like 50 or $100,000 for the post. But if you're a brand, it's like a tenth of that. Why? Um, you can just charge more for personal brands wow. um, because you're posting less, A. Um, so like on Hoops Nation, there are 27,000 posts. On my personal account, at Buster, there are 400 posts. You know, I can post 30 times on a basketball account, but if you posted 50 times on your personal brand, people are like, what the hell, man? You post too much. Mm. Um, and that, that's just a fact of the matter. So the space becomes rare. Your post space becomes rare. So yeah. It's all di digital real estate, right? The yeah. same way that people buy digital real estate in the form of NFTs on platforms like Decentraland. Um, me buying an Instagram post from somebody else is buying digital real estate on their page. So how much, how much real estate is there? So it's really whatever you want to charge. There's no set formula for it. There, whatever no you set. think is worth, and then it's up to the person to pay it or not, or negotiate. Totally. And you, all, you know, obviously, like any negotiation, you always want to start a little bit higher and understand the market, understand what other people are getting paid for. Don't charge significantly less than what other people are because that undercuts the whole market. You know, just a lot of things. Hmm. So what's your vision in taking the brand forward? Like, what's your, what's your goal to expand it? You know... I, uh, on a few different fronts, um, my personal goals are just to, you know, gain more perspective and, you know, key things like that, that I just put on a pedestal in terms of like my own life importance. Um, but from a business perspective, you know, Poops Nation to scale it out into every industry and that'll be fun and great. But, um, on the podcast front to be able to talk to, you know, awesome people like yourselves and, um, have cool conversations and build a catalog of fun IP that is passive and something that I enjoy, right? So I, I even looked at it from the very beginning. Like when I was 17 and decided I wasn't going to go to college, um, I decided that when I, I realized that, you know, A, it wouldn't have done that much for me. Personally, it would have been a disservice um, because I, I was much better off getting experience um, and, and sort of doing my own thing since I had start, sort of started doing that by then. Um, but B, you know, that if there was anybody that I wanted to talk to or that was really accomplished in an industry, they weren't going to be teaching the class in college. Mm -hmm. They were going to be doing their thing in the real world. But if I had a podcast, yeah. I could get a one-on-one -on -one lesson where they thank me. <laughs> How the hell does that work? That's the most insane free education yeah. ever where other people, other people benefit from it. 
this expert thanks me, and I'm just sitting here thanking them. It's the most symbiotic thing ever, and that's what made me realize how fun podcasts are. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you, you've been at this for a while. I don't think we even mentioned it, but you were like the best broadcaster in the country at 15 years old. Yeah, like, let's not overlook that. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of the fun things that I, I, I still do. Like, obviously, I do it for the crew league, and I've done NBA games before. Um, but yeah, that's like a side fun <laughs> thing, really. Um, but but yeah, personally, just keep building and growing and learning and helping as many people as I can. Uh, so in the crew league, yeah, <laughs> you've seen a lot of athletes and a lot of entertainers, good and bad. Who, who's the best that you've seen play? Lil Dirk crossed me up pretty hard one time. We, we, like, we, Lil Dirk, shoot. I seen he got like, like, he shoot. Nah, he's good. I saw his he, highlights. He's tough, right? We played together one time at Chris Brickley's gym, and I had to guard him. I will say though, and I will hold him to this, that on a check ball, he he pulled some some bush league plays on me. <laughs> he, I'll break this down for you. He asked for the check. Um, or I asked for the check. He gave it to me. One then on he, one. Then he no. This is five on five. Oh, okay. Then he said, "Check again." Check West in the game and a few other people. He said, "Check again." Took it. Ran down the other way. <laughs> Chicago rules. Never forgive him. <laughs> I will ne- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, he's really, really good. Crossed me up bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw him. He's good. He can, who, who's on the other end? Oh, um, I mean, I, if you watch, if you I've watch, seen the crew league, I'm like, Ugh. if you watched the crew league season one. You will see that it's pretty evident that Kid Leroy and Lil Keed are not uh, very capable of the basketball. Kid Leroy? Court. Yeah, he just put out a song with Bieber and Bieber's new album today. He's wildly talented and he's young. He's younger than me. Okay. Um, I think he's like 17 or 18. But basketball's but not his thing. Basketball's not his thing. I, I, he recruited I, heavy, too. I don't know if you, you watched the episode. I he recruited gonna, heavy. I really thought you were going to say Sway Lee because it was a jump shot, but. Dude, Sway Lee hit threes. <laughs> I you just can, don't know how it goes in when I watch it. I'm like, what? Neither, neither did we. Neither did <laughs> we. Training, um, I follow this guy on Instagram, um, Shooter. The, the Lethal Shooter. Shooter. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Shout out to him. Um, and Chris Brinkley, like he said. And Breck. Yeah, but Lethal Shooter, that's specifically, different. he trains these guys. So I, 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 it's weird because like he has these guys training. Like, Why are they training? Is there something I'm missing? But, but like. Really? No, 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 no. They just like they no, no, run they in, like they, suicides, like they want to play. Like ball. you see, little like little Yachty, like working on his form. J Cole too. No, oh, all of these guys. Yeah. So it's like, right. are they getting paid to do this? Well, I think they know that health is wealth, um, and you want to find whatever beneficial way that is to you uh, that's conducive to you so also having like, fun, it's like yeah. workout. So I, I think it's more on the workout mm-hmm. side, but it's also social status and clout. Like yeah. you don't want to be the worst basketball playing I'm rapper. Yeah, yeah. You want to be the best. You know who I saw the other day? I was Rowdy, um, Rowdy, not Rowdy Rich, Rowdy Rebel. Rowdy Rebel. He was in the Brickley's gym. Yeah, yeah, I seen him getting busy. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Well, he's from, what? he's from Brooklyn. Um, Pop Smoke, rest in peace. He was pretty good too. Yeah, I saw him play a little bit. Um, Davies. Davies actually played. He was a ball player. He actually played yeah. D one at Townsend. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming he's you know he's, he's talented. Tall. He's really good. He's tall too. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. six five, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What do you think about uh, little baby? Uh, oh, and, and <laughs> that was embarrassing. <laughs> he's the worst. Shout out to Baby. He's nah, bet my favorite rapper. By he's, the way. That was embarrassing. What he did. Shout out to little baby. That, that wasn't in the crew league, so I didn't see that. That in was person. crazy. <laughs> no comment. I guess that was crazy. <laughs> shout out to the shout, shout out to Quavo too. Quavo's good. Quavo's good. No, I've seen him play. I've seen him every time. He's an athlete though. Baseball, football. He does everything. Yeah, he's tough. He's tough. Jack Harlow's not bad either. 
Jack Harlow knows his role. He's big. I, I, I mean, I look, I watched what he was doing. I'm like, I like it. He, he's not trying to score. He's going to set the screen. That would be like me and Charlie playing two two. Gotcha. I'm going to let him take every shot because he's a better shooter. That just but gave I'm, me an idea. I always get these ideas when I'm in when I'm in these conversations. Two two? No, we have to do something with Dykeman, oh, yeah, EYL, yeah, yeah. summer league weekend three on three situation. You going to play? Maybe. They yeah, asked me to play an all star. No, they asked me to play an all star game two years ago. Yeah. The, they was going to have like a. It's been a while, bro. Celebrity All Star Game. They asked me to play. Uh, I used to play D one. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they I asked tell you, anything. The only thing that can happen now is you get injured. You got, you got a you got a lifestyle to protect. Yeah, it's true. I, <laughs> I think the EYL. I thought about wearing mouthpieces. Now I'm not. There's no risks to be had anymore. It's not worth it. You guys are on podcasts. You guys do like TV and stuff. Yeah. It's not. It's not worth that chip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's WWE belt. Yeah, <laughs> bragging rights. Oh man, Buster, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, bro. I appreciate it. This is a very enjoyable conversation for us. One last thing, you guys said you bought your first cards. I got each of you your second oh, cards. I appreciate that. Oh wow, I this is oh I got the Abraham Lincoln joint from, from Leonardo da Vinci. From what's this? What's this? Break this down. Nineteen fifty-two. Can we see this? Check this we got out. This in here? Yeah, that's a fact. Check it out. So in nineteen fifty-two, tops. It says it on the back. For yeah, years, what it says. Um, in 1952, Topps put out a set that had 130 of the most important people in the world. It had everybody from nine presidents, including Lincoln, to the biggest, most famous artists like Da Vinci and Michelangelo and Rembrandt. Um, so this is actually their Topps rookie card um, from wow. 1952. So the same year as the mantle how much made is the, how by Topps. How much is this work? So that in PSA 10 condition is thousands, but obviously that's ungraded, so it's less. Um, but they, those are very cool cards that I think are also These will go on the uh, underrated because yeah, people, people don't even know they exist. Who'd you get? Uh, Leonardo da Vinci. I appreciate that. And the art style is the same as the 52 Tops baseball set, if you notice. So they like, look very so similar. Like, what, what condition would this be considered? So this is a little bit off-centered. See how there's more white on this side as opposed to the edge on this side. Mm -hmm. But, that's, but not, that's not the collector's fault. That's just how it was made. And, but that's also how it's graded. Oh, okay. yeah, um, yeah. But this is probably halfway. It's probably like a PSA 5, five to 6. PSA 5? Yeah. yeah. So they're looking, when they grade, they're looking for imperfections. Got to. At all times. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, yeah. differentiator. I'm going to find my holograms, man. I'm telling well, you. Before we leave, to. I want one last thing. So that one, that 10-year... That that life thing that you had broke down. Let's talk about that. With the one you're uh, 10 years old, talk about that. What's the science behind that? Yeah, so I sometimes I'll get caught in thoughts and a thought that I had that I, I wrote down in a journal and then posted on, on LinkedIn and it went a little viral there was um, that the reason that time seems to move faster as you get older is because each year makes up a smaller and smaller percentage of your life. So the perspective is larger, whereas 365 days means less and less. So when you're 10, every year feels like it's so long because it's 10% of your entire life. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're 100, it's just 1%. So the proportional scale of how fast that time is moving feels 10 times faster. So the older you get, the faster time moves for that reason. Makes a lot of sense. There you have it. There you have you it. You spent a quarter of your life doing this. <laughs> you have it, how, how can the people follow you out what tell them all the information website podcast instagram all of that yeah you find me at buster but make sure to keep following these guys closely and turn on their post notifications <laughs> and subscribe um, but find me at buster or the buster show podcast there you have it troy yeah shout, 
Who? Housekeeping items. I thought you said hologram. That's all I can hear in my head now. I got to find my hologram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. That is our profit pay program. Uh, salute to all the earners that are on there. They have access to EYL University, the number one space for everything financial, uh, entrepreneurship, and business. Uh, so we appreciate everybody that's on there and everybody that's supporting the merch. Shotty got a vintage. We don't call that the vintage throwback. Tracksuit, man. It's not really a throwback. I'm, I mean, it, 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 it has a feel of it. It has that dope boy feel. So shout out to everybody supporting the merch. Shout out to the merch team, Ben, uh, Smitty out in Atlanta, Mike. Uh, we appreciate everything that y'all do. And uh, again, thank you for all the support. Yeah, thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> a mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.